Greetings. Welcome to the New Kind of Therapy podcast. I am your beloved host, Paige Stitt, um, and I am going to be working on this podcast, hopefully making some content for um, women who are looking for abundant life in Christ. So we're going to be talking about a lot of different cultural hot topics and how us as Christian women who want to see the world through a biblical lens can approach these kind of things. Um, and I chose the name of the podcast because I'm a big believer that um, in our uber therapeutic culture, we've turned to everything but biblical wisdom to be our therapy, um, to be what makes us comfortable and happy and secure. And I think that that's not a good idea. Um, and so while I think there are a lot of helpful things um, in modern psychology and counseling and therapy, um, I think we miss out when we forget that every problem we have is ultimately a sin problem. Um, and so until we address our spiritual illnesses and the spiritual roots of the ruts in our lives, we're never going to get anywhere. We're never going to get to the abundant life um, that we so dearly want. So we're picking up on a bunch of different topics, just things that I think are interesting or, I don't know, maybe controversial. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Um, and today we're going to be talking modesty because it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. And um, again, I think this is countercultural and the fact that it's pretty normal now um, to think that what will empower women is allowing them to dress however the heck they want to. And so today we're going to talk about that. So I'm excited that you're here. Hopefully you don't find it boring and stupid. Let's let's get right into it. So I want to talk a little bit today about a recent post of mine about modesty um, because it seemed to be interesting to a lot of people. And a lot of people seem to say like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And, and Got a fair amount of likes or whatever. Well, a fair amount of likes for me, like 40 or something. But generally, the trend that I see is the opposite. Um, and there's lots of Christian voices that have issues with um, modesty and like this term that people throw out now called purity culture, which I guess is something that is like, you know, teaching women about purity, I suppose, before marriage and, you know, don't have sex before you're married and I guess dress a certain way. And I think part of the argument is just that purity culture makes a woman's body seem like a bad thing and like sex is a bad thing or whatever. Um, but purity itself, I mean, is quite biblical. So I'd be curious to kind of look into that a little bit more, but I recently just saw a post about um, this woman who was really upset about, I think it was a Matthew West song and he was talking or the, the song was called modest is hottest. And he was kind of joking about how he wants his daughters to dress modestly. Um, and she came after him. She was really, really not happy. Um, she said that even though the video was like kind of a joke, that the song and the video were joking about something about controlling what women wear um, and how it's super harmful. And then I saw some reposts and just comments like, this is right on. Um, and I just had some reflections on that because there is this mentality that um, enforcing, not enforcing, but encouraging women to dress modestly um, is like oppressive. Um, and I've thought about this a lot because 
our culture has the tendency right now to think that like giving people accountability is oppressive, especially if they're a group of people that have been historically oppressed or unprivileged. So women, for example, you know, throughout history, women have not had it that great. And so now in our culture, women are finally getting their chance. Um, and somehow that comes with a lack of accountability. Um, even when you see stuff in like the Me Too movement, like you're just expected to believe a woman purely because she's a woman. There's not um, accountability for integrity or evidence in those kind of things sometimes. And that's not me trying to say, oh, rape culture is fine. I'm, I'm obviously rape is disgusting and evil. Um, and they'll get their judgment before the throne of God on the last day. I'm sure of it. What I'm more so saying is, is this lack of accountability for groups that have been traditionally not treated well is actually kind of reinforcing some of those old mentalities that, that it's like they're less human. Uh, because the Bible tells us that being responsible for your actions is the image of God. You know, God didn't tell the plants and the animals not to eat of the fruit or they'll die. He told Adam and Eve because Adam and Eve were his image bearers. And to be like God meant to be a moral person. And so to, to hold them accountable was not to be oppressive to Adam and Eve. It was actually a dignifying thing. Like your decisions matter. The other creatures, they don't deliberate. They don't make moral decisions. But you humans do because you reflect me in a unique and privileged way. It's, it, it's a privilege to have accountability. And so this is what makes us human, is that our decisions matter. Our words matter. Our actions matter. Our integrity matters. And so to think that holding women to high standards is oppressive I think it goes along with some other poor assumptions that our culture and, and some parts of Christianity have been like feeding to us. And I'm here to say that I think it's concerning and that um, I don't think that a father having some rules about what his daughter's allowed to wear is um, misogynistic. I don't think it's oppressive. Um, in fact, I think that he's dignifying his daughters in a way that a girl who grew up with no guidance and, you know, kind of allowed herself to be seen um, doesn't know the, the sacred nature of her body. Um, and I talked about this a little bit in my post, but when you make things so accessible, um, it, it, it lessens their sanctity. Like the Holy of Holies was barred off. You couldn't get in. Because it was something special and not just anyone could walk in there. You had to have your atonement. You, you know, even the lambs, if they had spots, were not coming in the Holy of Holies. You know, like there's something holy about a woman's body. And, and you know, that's what Paul talks about in First Corinthians, either, I think it's six, where he's like, you were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. It's like, you're body is a holy instrument of the Lord. Like don't throw it around like anything. Um, and I don't think that that brings women down. In fact, uh, I think that giving us too much freedom can be bad. And I, I guess I should say that I mean freedom in a certain sense. Um, I think that the parent's role is a God-given role to give rules to their kids. 
So especially for young women, I do not think a dad is stepping out of his arena of authority to say you may not wear that. Um, and I think that, you know, there are certainly issues with, with male authority complexes and just men who manipulate their place of headship or leadership in their households and manipulate and take advantage of women. That is an issue. But like I said, I'm a woman, so I'm going to focus on what us women could work on. And what we could work on is respecting because there are men who have good authority and who are trying to live into their God given role. And so if they don't want their daughter wearing shorts that are up her butt, I don't think they're manipulative. I don't think they're misogynistic. I think they're actually tapped into something that our culture is losing a sense of. Um, and some people really might not like that, but, um, you know, I, I grew up, uh, as a competitive dancer and by high school, I, I was wearing almost nothing on stage um, and, and dancing pretty promiscuously. And it's, it's a large regret of mine. And so something that I struggle with because it was fun. I liked flaunting my body. It was empowering quote unquote, as the women say today, but it was a sinful kind of empowering. It was, it was lustful. It was glory seeking. And it, it wasn't good for me. And, and I wish that I could look back at that and say, Oh, I, I would never do that again. But man, there's a temptation there. And, and, you know, I have changed and, you know, I, I am definitely trying to work on being a little bit more modest and tapping into sexuality in healthy ways. But I, I look back at that. I'm like, there's still a temptation there for me to go back into that mindset. Um, and so I, I understand that men have a role to play in all of this, but here I'm, I'm here to talk about women. Um, I'm not a man. So at this point, I'm not going to talk about men. We, we, you know, we're really good at blame shifting, at pointing fingers. Adam and Eve did it right after they ate the fruit, you know, oh, the woman gave it to me. Um, the woman that you gave me, God. So not only is he saying it's Eve's fault, he's also saying it's God's fault. We always wig our way out of just saying, hey, we contributed to the issue. So I think women need to step up because we are image bearers, because we are accountable as dignified, responsible people, especially people of God, Christians. And we need to say, here's where we're part of the issue. And so there are many issues in our culture. Men make up a certain amount of them. But so do women. And I just, I think we're doing ourselves a disservice. We, so many of these things are done in the name of feminism, but I actually think women are struggling more today than in some ways they ever have before, or at least in new ways. Um, and so I, I just wonder if we're doing ourselves um, a disservice and oh, an injustice of sorts. Um, so I'm, I don't want this to come across as I don't think men aren't part of the problem. Of course they are. I'm here to focus on what our side of the problem is because I think that that's inherently Christian to not try to point fingers first, but to look inward first um, and to look at your people, to look at yourself and your group, your crowd um, before examining and calling out other people. And that's not to say there's no place for that because we see that in the Bible as well. But man, I think I think you can make a really strong biblical argument that it, we got to look at ourselves first in most, in most senses. Um, so, yeah, I've kind of gone down a rabbit trail, but I guess I'm just responding to the that anger towards this this video of Matthew West where he's apparently, quote unquote, controlling what his daughters wear. 
And I think there can be something healthy there. And that's not to say it's never been done in a very bad, unchristian, unloving way. But I think it absolutely could be done in a very Christian and a very loving way. Um, and I think, too, that women, I mean, this is this is a hot take if there ever was one. And I don't know. It's probably just my friends listening to this. So I should be fine. But I think I think that this happens. I think that women sometimes enjoy being objectified. Now, I I could be wrong, and maybe I'm finding some sins in my own heart that I need to work on, and maybe all y'all are doing something different. But I found this in my heart, and I think I can see threads of it throughout our culture, because we always want to call like promiscuous dressing as like self-expression. It's all about expressing myself and empowering myself and loving my body. Um, and I think actually we like attention and we, we like sexual attention. And even so we like it without the commitment of a marriage where you're supposed to deny yourself daily to love the other person. You want sexual attention outside of the marital covenant. And I wanted it too. And I would post the bikini pics because I knew some boy would scroll and be like, dang, she's got a nice butt. It's big. I knew I had a big butt and I liked when the boys would talk about it. And it's, it's interesting that, you know, I, women don't want to come out and say that. And it's embarrassing for me to say it because, you know, we're, you know, in high school, I would roll my eyes when boys would make comments and be like, oh, shut up. But in my mind, I, I really liked the attention and I liked specifically that it was sexual attention. And I think the fact that I wanted sexual attention apart from true commitment to another human being, I think that that's objectification that I was enjoying. They didn't know me as a whole human being. They didn't appreciate me as an image bearer. They liked my butt. Unfortunately, my boobs weren't all that appealing, so I never got attention there. But do you see what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't like, oh, your nice smile that I was like, mm, give me more of that. Now, of course, I would enjoy someone saying that I have a nice smile. But what I'm trying to say is that when women are unwilling to admit that they crave sexual attention um, that is outside of a marital context, I think they're just lying to themselves. Um and I could be wrong, and maybe that's not universal. Maybe that's just in some pockets. But I think we have to be careful about every time we post a pic that highlights our curves to not just say, well, I'm just, it's just a cute outfit. Like I'm just expressing myself. I'm proud of my body. Because we've, here's the thing is that we always locate the issue within low self esteem. Everything is about, I don't love my body enough. So to show it off is then a good thing. We're proud of ourselves for wearing tight clothing or wearing little clothing because we think that the problem is that we don't love ourselves enough. But the Bible says the opposite. We don't love God enough. We don't love others enough. And we love ourselves too much. And so it's not a feat of strength to, to go out and reveal your body for lots of women. And, and I, I don't want to speak too generally here because I know that there are women that genuinely do not like the way their bodies look. And so I'm not saying that every woman actually secretly loves the way her body looks. I think what I'm trying to say is, is that it's not in a lack of something that's the problem. It's too much of something. 
It's not a lack of self-esteem. It is too much self-esteem, too much concern about what we look like. And whether that concern ends up being a positive or a negative concern, like, wow, I really like what I look like, or wow, I really don't like what I look like. Either way, it's a concern of the self. It's self-absorption, and that's pride. That is the fall kind of stuff. And yeah, I think I think that we've missed that because we cover everything up as we need more self-love and self-care and self-celebration. And and you don't need to be celebrated. Like that's also I've been reading about this. Everyone go read um, when people are big and God is small by Ed Welch. He's part of this like biblical counseling group and they are epic in every way. And they he was talking about how our society um, psych has psychologized, if that's a word, everything. And all psychological theories right now are mostly based on a need, a psychological need. And most of them boil down to your psychological need for love and significance and for affirmation. Listen, the Bible is not concerned that we get you celebrated. And it's not concerned about getting me celebrated. That's what I'm concerned about. And that's my problem. And wow, it's just so interesting to me that that really is ingrained, that our our society has taught us that we need affirmed, that we need celebrated, um, that we need to be known in some sense, and that we've kind of Christianized it. And I think there is a certain sense in which the, the Bible does teach us that you are affirmed in Christ and that you are loved in Christ. But I don't think that's the emphasis of the gospel. The gospel isn't to make you feel loved. It should, if you have any grasp of it, and love is the motivation, love is displayed in the gospel, but the focal point isn't for you to feel better. The focal point, there are a lot of focal points, atonement of your sin, so that God doesn't have to destroy you, and the glory of God, and his good pleasure in showing love to people who don't deserve. God just likes to do that. That's the focal point, the greatness of God. And I think that we've just made everything so therapeutic and psychological that we've kind of turned the gospel into a self-esteem project, that the gospel is about you are loved. I mean, how often you said you're loved and why doesn't that work? Like, why doesn't everybody feel better now that that we've been told, hey, you know, you have this need to be loved. And now through Christ, you are loved. God, the most important person in the world said you are loved. Why don't we feel better? Why? Because Jesus's goal isn't necessarily to make us feel loved. His goal is to make us holy image bearers. And you know what? Once we become that, we will be happy. We will feel the love because it's actually righteousness and, and being like God that is so rewarding and awesome. Um, but that's not the first goal. God's trying to make you holy, not happy first. Happy comes after the holy, sis. So I, I did another rabbit trail thing, but I do think that that then contributes to this body image thing because we think that the problem is that our body needs affirmed. And I agree that it's a common desire that our bodies want to be affirmed or that we want our bodies to be affirmed. I think we need to push back on this idea that we need the affirmation. It's a psychological need. I think that that is a secular assumption and this idea that we are just empty cups waiting for God to fill us up is, I don't think, biblical. I think we've got to be careful. And there's nuances here. I'm not saying that there's no sense in which you should feel loved by God. Absolutely not. 
Um, I'm just trying to somehow start to pick out some of the nuances that I think end up having pretty large implications. And then we end up sitting because we think that, you know, we need affirmation um, of our, of our bodies, maybe as an example. And then, so we, we go out and we wear things that, that seek that. Um, and if, if you really want to say that you're wearing what you want to wear and it has nothing to do with how you appear to others, then you stumped me because I just, I, I'm not sure that I can believe you. Because let me tell you, it's fun to get dressed up at home by myself and do my makeup, but it's kind of a bummer if I don't get to go out afterwards, you know, like I can, you know, do up my hair and put on a cute outfit at home, but that's not all that rewarding. I want to go to dinner. I want to go to a party, you know, see people go to church even like I straight up use church to be looking cute in front of people. And I think if you don't see at least a little bit of that in yourself, then I think you're losing it because we don't normally dress up for ourselves at home. Our clothes are about being seen. And if you don't think there's any part about your desire to be seen in how you dress, then I think you're kidding yourself at least a little bit. And I'm sure this varies for different women. I'm sure. I'm sure that some people have more of that in them than others. But I think everyone's got to have a little bit of it. And, and when I say this, I am thinking, you know, primarily of girls that, you know, are into their appearance and, and um, like to dress up, whatever. But it also stands for girls who are not into their appearance or not really into style and who, you know, cover themselves up a lot or don't like to dress up because it's still... Even if it's that you don't want to be seen, it's still about how you're seen, if that makes sense. I, either way, I think we all have um, a perverted sense of self-consciousness, meaning that we are concerned with how we are seen. And wh whether that takes um, what I'm mainly talking about here is the, the route of you know being worried about looking good to people, or whether it takes the route of just like, trying not to be noticed by people. Either way, it's this act of being worried about how we're seen and that connects to our clothing. And we see that desire to be seen as a, uh, Jesus condemns that. That's what the Pharisees, I mean, that's their issue. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, he says, stop doing things to be seen. And so we've somehow switched this idea of being seen and being known into this need, into this good thing that humans long for. And I don't think that it's a bad thing that you want to be known by others in authentic ways. I'm just saying this idea of wanting everyone to see you a lot, to give you attention, that's a bad thing. You know, and I, I've heard also the argument that it's like what people wear doesn't reflect their character. And I, and I think that is incredibly unbiblical because the Bible wants to say that your outward actions are the result of an inward problem. You, you, your sins come from vices, ruts that, um, that are controlling your heart. You know, Jesus, Jesus says that it, it, he's talking about what defiles you. And he says, what comes out of you defiles you because it shows what's in your heart. Uh, a good tree bears good fruit, right? And so to say that some external decision we make has nothing to do with our character is just plainly not biblical. Our external actions, every choice we make is a reflection of our heart. 
Because sin is two things. It's a condition and it's actions. Something happened to Eve when she decided to look at the fruit and determine it was good and beautiful despite God's command. But then she also sinned in the action of doing it, right? And so to say that we want to disconnect our decisions and choices with our character is ridiculous. And I am not then saying that if women dress poorly, we should hate them, judge them, treat them poorly. Because, you know, I think a lot of women have done work in, you know, the sex industry and and these women have used their bodies to, you know, get by in life. And I'm not saying let's just go in there and condemn them all day because they're worthless. No, they're image bearers. And so we want to lead them into that which is life. And so I'm not saying you have to hate them, but you don't need to affirm their character and you don't need to affirm yours either because a lot of us have actions that reflect issues in our hearts. And so I I think we got to think about that, that we don't have to affirm a woman's character in, in all ways. We can say, yes, I do think that this decision is a reflection of a heart problem. I've had it too. (laughs) I've had that heart problem too. And I don't think that's demeaning. I think that's finally, like I said earlier, treating them with accountability and saying, let's, let's live life in a way that um, is an empowering, not in the sense of you get to do whatever you want, but empowering in the sense of doing it the way that you were made to do it, which is in submission to the commandments of God and to the ways of God, in reflection of him. So let's try, I think, to stay away from that, that mindset. What you wear is a decision, and it's a moral decision. It involves your body, and it most definitely involves sexuality. And I, I think it'd be hard to d- defend that it doesn't. So that's something that I've heard a lot as well, and I I want to push back on that and say, I think we need to think a little bit more critically about the idea that what a woman wears has nothing to do with her character. I think there's plenty of reason to think so. And that doesn't mean we go around condemning others. It means first that we look inward. And second, that if someone is looking to follow Christ, then then we encourage them to, to reflect on that, how what they wear and how they've presented themselves um, has not honored God. I think that that's good. It, just as if you were talking to someone who previously did drugs, you would say to them, you know, you should consider that life with God will look different. And that's a good thing. I'm not, I, I, I just, we have to call sin sins. We can't affirm everything. So we need to teach people skills to deliberate between these felt needs, such as wanting to be seen and between sins. Um, because there is a s- strong sense in which wanting to be seen in certain ways is a sin. Um, and so we've got to be able to, to parse the the difference between those, to make those distinct. Um, Because God didn't come to fulfill and meet our felt needs. He came to fulfill our real needs, our actual needs. And and those aren't uh, a self-esteem boost or to feel really pretty. Our actual needs are a need of atonement and right relationship with God and to actually reflect his image. Those are our needs. That's what God's concerned about with you. And so if we if we preach people to people that, you know, one of their needs is to be celebrated and seen and beautiful, then the gospel won't meet their needs. And what kind of message is that? So we've got to be able to say, no, that's actually not a need. That's a want. That's a felt need, something you think you need. But God came not to grant us our felt needs, but to change and transform our felt needs into accordance with what's true and what's reality is. I don't know. Maybe I think that I'm being profound and I'm not, but I feel like it's hitting a a chord with me. Is that a phrase? Whatever. 
So th- those are some thoughts on um, why I think we do dress certain ways that we do. Because when we try to say that it's so innocent, that it's just about self-expression and because we want to be proud of ourselves, um, I think there are more dignifying ways to do it. And, and here's the reality is that if the way you express yourself just so happens to highlight your the sexual nature of your body, aka your boobs and your butt, then I think it's pretty hard to deny that you don't enjoy people seeing the sexual parts of your body. And I really do think that that is in the category of lust. We're so mad about these males looking at our butts and our boobs. Meanwhile, they're dangling in front of them. And we, I think a lot of us enjoy it. And I just say this because I don't think I'm someone who's particularly into my image. And I can admit and be honest with you that it's fun. It's fun to be noticed sexually. You know, and and I think that then that, no, I'm not going to go there. So basically I'm saying that I think modesty is empowering and that we have to be willing to be a little more frank with ourselves about why we actually want to dress so promiscuously. Um, yeah, those are my thoughts. And I really do think that uh, just as far as comparison issue goes, I mean, this is the age of comparison with social media. And what if all the girls' bikini bodies were always right in front of you every time you went on your phone in the summer? You know, I, Truly, if you struggle with body image, number one, delete your social media for a few weeks. Like, you don't have to give it up forever, but man, I bet it is contributing. Like, that's just such a simple step. Like, help yourself and and get out of there for a little while because it's just parties and beaches of women showing off their bodies. And if you think those posts are being posted to show themselves off, I think we're being naive with ourselves and with others. And it has a big effect on how you see yourself. You know, I, I really do think that that women probably in past ages did not have as much insecurity about their bodies because they just didn't see a lot of other people's. You know, you didn't go out and see neighbor Susie's whole body. And maybe I'm just like too countercultural. And I'm not saying that we need to wear like puffy ankle length skirts and turtle, like loose turtleneck trash bag outfits. You know, I, I think there's um, a way in which we can live in our cultural moment, but do it in a holy way, meaning in a different set apart way. So I think you can wear jean shorts. I just think that you shouldn't be trying to highlight your butt in your shorts. And, you know, I'm still coming to terms with that. I'm still trying to figure out what the practical implications of this are. And I'm definitely not doing it perfect because like I've admitted like 80 times now in this recording that I like to show off my body. I have a nice body in some spots, you know? So I'm still trying to figure out, but I'm trying not to wear lots of just completely form-fitting stuff. Um, You know, even just like leggings. I, you know, I, I put on my Lululemon leggings all the time. Um, maybe I should try to generally wear longer t-shirts. And to some people that's going to sound like, oh my goodness, do you hate women everywhere? Are you like, do you think whatever I'm saying? I think that's a healthy decision. I think that's really good. I wish, I wish someone would have pushed me to do that. You know, like I'm not saying you can't have your shoulders showing. 
I think right now what I'm coming to is just the particularly sexual parts of your body you shouldn't try to highlight. Like if you're trying to get sexual attention through your outfit, and you have to be honest with yourself about this, because all y'all women and myself included are going to be saying, no, this outfit is not about that. But if you know you're going to get a comment from an outfit like, oh, your butt looks good on that. I don't know. I'm not saying you can't wear it. Like the grace of God covers you. I know. But I'm just saying think about it first. That's what I'm starting to do. It's just let's just think. Like, is this really good for me? Because remember, the question isn't, am I going to be punished for this? Or am I going to lose my salvation? No. But is it good for you? Are you reflecting Jesus? Like, let's not just talk in the negative sense. Let's talk in the positive sense about our faith walk. And I'm not saying that you can't ever try to look pretty. I'm just suggesting that we should check motives and be a little bit more careful. And I'm not exactly sure what that means for every single outfit. So don't be sending me pictures of outfits and say, is this okay? I, I'm not there yet, but I think I'm onto something and I'm pretty darn sure it's biblical. Um, so one, like just go read the Bible. Like we can find the modesty verses. Like I cannot think of a verse that would make us think that it's a good thing to dress promiscuously. If someone wants to come back at me and say this verse says that go for it but for now I'm going to focus on some that clearly say to not um I mean it's about as clear as it gets in first Timothy uh first Timothy 2 and he, Paul literally says I want the women dressed modestly um he says likewise also that the women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel apparel with modesty and self-control not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly attire but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works so something i think is so interesting and you see this in the first peter 3 passage as well i think it's first peter 3 um, that also talks about the idea that the women are told don't focus on your physical beauty focus on the beauty of character and you know, there are some timeless things that I think just cross right over from ancient culture right to here and now. And one of them is that women in general, this isn't always 100% um, accurate for every girl, but women have the tendency to be more concerned with their appearance um, than men do on, on the whole. And I, I'm not trying to, to say anything large about that. I'm just saying that the, the Bible wants to correct that for us women. You know, every time I heard, uh, I was listening to a Jackie Hill Perry podcast um, and she was talking about how, you know, some people had said that they wanted her to dress more feminine. Um, and she was talking about how the church has made this picture of femininity that's like, you know, wear cute floral dresses and work in the nursery. But really every time the New Testament talks about women um, and clothes, it's always talking about, don't worry about your clothes, worry about your character. Um, and so if we want to talk about the Bible not objectifying women, I mean, both Paul and Peter have very clear things to say that women are not to be overly concerned with what they look like. And not only are they not to be concerned, but there is a certain type of clothing that is not okay. I don't know where people get around these verses to make their claims that modesty is not a biblical idea um, and that it's part of like patriarchal white Western culture or something. It's, it's right here. Women should adorn themselves with respectable apparel and with modesty and self-control.
gold, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly attire, but what is proper for a woman who professes godliness with good works. So notice here when it's talking about braided hair, gold, pearls, costly attire, he's saying you don't need to draw all this attention. You don't need to do yourself up. And, you know, maybe I'm being wishy-washy. I don't think this means that you can never look nice. I think, you know, I, I wonder if there's any research that has has to do with what these specific um, things were associated with in their time. But certainly the call is one just to be modest because to profess godliness and then to dress in ways that draw attention to the sexual parts of your body is inconsistent. We're to, women are supposed to be focused with clothing themselves with good works, not with fancy clothes. And this relates to the first Peter three passage in, in verse three of chapter three of first Peter, Peter says, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So in this case, He's not as much so talking about modesty, but just the idea of drawing attention to ourselves. And I think that that is consistent with what I was talking about earlier, that that the way the reason why women dress certain ways does have to do with the desire to be seen, to be looked at, to be enjoyed um, physically. And it seems to me that he's saying here, don't that is not your adornment. That's not your beauty. Um, and so I think we got to be careful here because, you know, that verse doesn't specifically say dress modest, but it is saying that you, that we are prone to make the mistake of worrying more about being seen and being noticed and, um, being physically attractive than about having integrity, um, and godliness. And it's inconsistent with our profession of faith in Jesus Christ, which is what Timothy talked about. And I, I that's, that's a big deal. You know, that's not a small thing to say. And another point from the New Testament that I wanted to bring up is, um, as I talked about earlier, I am all for accountability for women. I don't think that we can just push this all on men, you know, like, oh, you lusted over me because I was wearing a tank top. Well, you should just gouge your eyes out, you pig. And certainly there are some men that need to be gouging out their eyes, certainly. But the the New Testament has this ethic of not causing a brother or sister to stumble. And you can find it in a couple different places. It's all throughout 1 Corinthians. The Corinthians had all sorts of issues. They asked Paul a bunch of hard questions. And almost always he comes back with, hey, here's the answer, but also don't do anything that would cause anybody to stumble. You don't want to do anything that would make it easier for a brother or sister to fall into sin. So he's talking about... Um, eating food um, that it was either um, sacrificed to idols or, you know, came from pagan markets where they would first offer them to idols. And, and he's talking to them and he basically says, you know, we know that the food is fine. You know, idols aren't real. We know that. Um, and so he kind of talks about how it's actually not that big of a problem. Um, but he says that, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat it. So it's talking about this meat. And he says, but if there's someone who looks on me and sees me eating that meat and thinks that that's a form of idol worship, then I'm not going to do it. 
I know it's not idol worship. I know that idols aren't real. I know that I have liberty in Christ to enjoy good gifts of food. But if it causes my brother to stumble, I'll never eat meat again, says Paul. Um, so it's, it's all about the building up of the church and our fellow believers. And a very similar idea comes in in Romans later on. Um, let me flip there. So again, he's talking about foods and what's clean and unclean. And, and see, this is just a, a, it's a completely different topic, but the principle I think is exactly the same. So they're having issues because some people um, are not worried about eating unclean food because in the new covenant, they found liberty in Christ. And Paul says, you are correct. It is actually okay now to eat any of the food. And that's a whole other subject. But there are some who are still worried about it. They have, they don't fully understand yet um, the freedom that's in Christ. Um, and Paul is talking about the issues that they're having. And he says, Decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do you see here that he's saying, yeah, the actual act of eating that food isn't even bad. But the fact that's causing your brother to stumble makes it so that you are sinning against God because you're not walking in love to your brother. Even more specifically, your brother that Christ shed his blood for. And, you know, I think that if we apply this principle to modesty, it just goes one step further because modesty is wrong. It's not just that you can do it if you want. But on top of it being wrong, it also causes other people to sin. It's just simply not biblical to say, well, that's their problem. That's just... The entire mindset of the Christian is, how can I build up others in the church to be good followers of Jesus? And if women had more empathy for their brothers in Christ, then maybe they would stop saying, well, that's their problem. Stop, stop pointing the finger at us. You know, we're the victims. But maybe if we started saying, you know, there are some good men out there that are going to accountability groups that are praying against this lust, that are you know, fighting to get off porn or whatever it is, like, let's, let's help them. Um, let's help them. So I think this ethic of, of uh, doing anything in our power to help make it easy for our brothers and sisters to follow Christ is just clear New Testament content. Um, and it's just biblical love. Biblical love is willing to do, to do anything for, for the person they love. Um, and so I think it's something to be considered and even old Testament, you know, um, in the Proverbs, you know, like half the Proverbs are about warning men to stay away from promiscuous women. Basically. Um, I think in the Hebrew, it literally says a strange woman, um, or like a foreign woman. So basically someone who's not your woman. Um, and it's talking about how the men can, uh, I think it's Proverbs 5, how he's saying, delight in the wife of your youth, like have a good time with her, like really soak that up, but do not be looking at those strange promiscuous women. And it really, it does associate those women, one with evil and two um, with a certain kind of clothing. Um, and, and you can see that throughout the, the Old Testament that prostitution is, you know, has a certain kind of clothing associated with it. Um, and the woman is is also pictured as lustful, not just the male. So I think 
you know, maybe it's time to consider that possibly our wearing of promiscuous clothes is also a form of lust. Hot take, I know, but I think it's true. Um, and I, I think that the Bible shows a clear thread throughout it. Um, one, just that the Bible warns us so clearly about sexual immorality. You know, like, God compares, like, his people breaking the covenant and worshiping idols to adultery, like sexual sin. So if we needed anything to tell us that sexual sin is, like, the worst kind of sin, then that's it. That's the, that's as extreme as it can get. It's, it's the equivalent of idolatry. Okay. Worshiping false gods is on the same plane in some sense, um, to sexual sin. And there's, why would women be so nonchalant and just act like it's only the man's job to, to work on that? I just, Jesus, you know, he, Jesus says that if a man even looks at a woman lustfully, you know, he's committed adultery. So ladies, maybe if all of our junk weren't hanging out, they wouldn't be doing that as much. And again, there's no use in pointing fingers and saying it's their problem. Jesus takes the sin of lust very seriously. And guess what? There are also Christian men that do. So let's get Christian women. And I'm sure there are Christian women, but it's a popular move right now to for women to kind of be pushing against on that. And, uh, I think it's not smart and I don't think it's biblical either. So it doesn't mean that I have a list of clothes you can't wear specifically. No, you know, we, we do experience the liberty of, of knowing Jesus. And so I'm not trying to be legalistic. I know people are going to say that I'm not trying to be legalistic. I'm trying to be thoughtful and devoted to my call to be like Christ. Um, so I don't know. Let me know what you guys think of this. If you felt like this was a helpful thing, like maybe let me know somehow so that I could continue. Um, you guys have a blessed day. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. And may he lift up his countenance upon you, give you peace. Um, thanks, guys. Catch you later.